All right, welcome on to the Los Links Talk Show. It's the 2021 season preview. Oh my gosh, a new season is upon us, and uh, it's right around the corner. So we got to talk about Lynx basketball, preview the season that is to come, and uh, there's no better way to do such a thing than to make it a Canis Hoopus party in here. Okay, we got a uh, for the first time in a while. Uh, we have uh, we have a number of people covering the Lynx for Canis Hoopus this year. It's going to be very exciting. Get some new voices in here, and uh, one of those voices. Um, is uh, Leo Sun. He's out there in uh, Southern California right now. He's a Californian who uh, who covers the Lynx, covers the Wolves for Canis Hoopus. And uh, I'm excited to kind of tag team with him this year, along with another gentleman from uh, who, uh, named Brian, uh, who maybe we'll hear from later in the season. Uh, but today it's Leo and I, and we are going to talk all about the Lynx 2021 season. Leo Sun, welcome to the Los Lynx Talk Show. How's it going, Neil? Glad to hey. be here. Glad to be here. Yeah, very good. We are uh, we are podcasting across the country right now, uh, different time zones. It's all happening. How is uh, how is beautiful Southern California? You know, it's it's tough. You know, you get so sick of these sunny days that we have here. You know, every day you go out, oh, it's yeah. 70 degrees. It's sunny and perfect for a dog walk every day. And, you know, it gets a little depressing, you know. But aside from that, you know, can't complain given, uh, you know, where I'm at and, you know, where I hear – you know, all my friends over there in Minnesota are at, you know, y'all have your challenges there. But, you know, I think it's about equal, you know, between here and there, I'm sure. Yeah, it's about the same. It's about the same temperature wise and stuff like that. No, it sounds like uh, it sounds like you have it real hard there with all that sunshine and uh, perfectly manageable weather. Although that is the nice thing about the WNBA season. It happens happens when the weather's nice kind of everywhere. So, you know, we can't uh, necessarily, uh, you know, uh, we can't uh, compare to the winter, the winter months <laughs> that the Wolves and other cold weather, uh, you know, um, basketball markets have. So, but I think it's awesome that you're, you're all the way out there in California, but you're not about the Sparks. This is not a Sparks uh, podcast right here. Ooh, no, no. Um, it's, it's all links. So, so how did this happen, though? I mean, I learned a little bit before we started recording on you know sort of how you got into the Timberwolves but how'd you get into you know covering basketball for SB Nation and, and sort of what is your history with the WNBA or with the Lynx and and where did it all start for you and, and sort of uh, you know I don't know like how, how did you get kind of switch over or not switch over but you know add the WNBA side to your to your fandom of the NBA side as well yeah so I mean and thanks for asking that. I mean I think it all really starts you know when two people really love each other and <laughs> Um, you know, the, the mama bear finds the papa bear. No, um, you know, covering, you know, covering getting into SB Nation. I mean, I've long been a member of SB Nation, especially Canis Hoopus since, you know, as early as uh, the late 2000s, you know, early 2010s. Um, you know, obviously starting with the Timberwolves first. And, you know, I don't need to uh, depress anyone else with stories about how <laughs> the Timberwolves. But, um, you know, I've obviously, you know, known about the links. You know, we've had coverage and you've done a great job covering the links, you know, way back, you know, now for, you know, close to probably over 10 years. Right. You know, and. Um, and see how, how great that this franchise has been. You know, I've always had an interest in it. And for some reason, you know, again, I have to blame myself being a Wolves fan is that, you know, I was maybe addicted to the losing um, on the men's side that I was, you know, a little afraid to, to journey into the winning side on the women's side. But, you know, I've always had a, lot, a big appreciation for women's basketball. You know, to be honest, I think uh, ever since I was young in middle school and in, in my high school, strangely enough, it was our women's teams were always a lot more successful than our men's teams. They won a lot more. 
Um, and, and so, you know, for me, I always, I always kind of thought that that's how it was like, oh, whoever I root for the woman's side, you know, is going to do better. And so, um, you know, as far as the link, I started kind of getting into it. You know, I developed a friendship with uh, Jim Peterson over the years, just, you know, when he's come to California to, to, you know, call games. And, you know, obviously he was an assistant coach, you know, for the Lynx for some time. And, you know, I started following the team even more closely during that period in the middle of the 2010s. And, um, you know, I started to learn more. I was like, wow, like, you know, these these are legit athletes. Like these are like real athletes. Like, these are athletes that are doing amazing things that I don't think I ever gave them enough credit for. Um, and so, yeah, I've been, you know, following it sparingly, you know, throughout the years and, and more and more and to the point now where I realize, like, hey, like we need to get this product out there. You know, we need to get more voices out there. Um, and so I've, I was blessed with the chance that like, our site manager, Kyle, at, at Candice Hoopis, you know, approached me last year because he saw me you know, in, the, in the comments section of, of all our game recaps and, and, you know, articles and whatnot, you know, commenting, trying to get involved. He's like, hey, would you, you know, be interested in getting involved in covering the team or doing a couple of recaps? I was like, oh, absolutely. You know, I, I know English is my second language here, but I think I have a decent enough, um, you know, grasp on the language to be able to, to, to cover a little bit of the game to share that. And it's, you know, I, I think I've fallen just kind of head over heels in love with the WNBA and, and not only the athletes and, you know, what they can do on the court, but, you know, off the court, the amazing things, especially the links, uh, what they've done, you know, over the years with, you know, social justice and leading the charge and, um, and yeah, I'm just super proud to be able to cover this team and be more involved this year. And you know, I hope the fan base grows even more. So there'll be a new Yolio or tens of more Yolios every year, you know, coming in and, and covering the team. So that's yeah. my story of how I got into it. Though. That's amazing. Yeah, that's what we hope for. That's why, you know, that's why we, you know, try and push hard to, you know, find new fans and then try and just give coverage so that, you know, that's how people can find out about this stuff. But that's really exciting that, um, you know, I feel like that can be a more typical story than it actually is. I, I, I've always said that I think, you know, the WNBA um, can really do a better job of kind of converting maybe like basketball junkies, I guess, for lack of a better term, you know, people who just love hoops. And, you know, they have this break in the summer and I think it's a perfect time to fill it with, you know, an entirely other um, amazing professional basketball league in the, in the W. And so, um, you know, I think that that uh, but unfortunately, I don't I don't know. I think so many people resist just women's sports in general, you know, for lots of right. lots of, um, you know, unfortunate reasons. But I think if they just gave it a chance, they'd be like, oh, this is great. This is just like the NBA, only like a little bit shorter and a smaller, you know, a smaller, uh, you know, group of teams and stuff, which, again, I think is even more enticing. You get to come in. There's only 12 teams, only 144 players. Oh my gosh, I can learn all these really quick. I think like a 30 team league is very daunting to kind of jump into or whatever. You know, I, I feel like a few years ago I tried to get into like Premier League, like soccer, or football, or whatever. And I was like, there's just so much like history, and there's like so so much I don't really understand about all the different leagues and stuff out there. So I just think it's an easy transition to go from NBA to WNBA, especially for Minnesotans. I mean, come on, we got the better team right here in the right in our backyard. So you would think uh, there'd be more folks like that so I don't know I just like hearing that sort of success story of like yeah I just kind of came over here from the NBA side and I just love basketball and it's cool though that you had that experience in high school and college too of you know the women's teams being a little bit better I think that's that's an extra thing I haven't really heard too much is like oh yeah I, I definitely appreciate appreciated women's athletics but I just didn't really watch the WNBA so it uh, sounds like you've been uh, been at it for a while and yeah that's uh that's cool as a Californian that you uh you know you, you chose the Timberwolves and the Lynx you know rather than those LA teams um, I know you're not in proper LA, you're kind of uh, west there, but do you feel uh, do you feel the sparks, uh, you know, sort of stuff over there? I mean, I feel like they have a lot of fans. Obviously, it's a big market. Um, 
I don't know. Do you run in? Do you, do you ever see Sparks fans around, or do you feel a WNBA presence there? Um, you know, kind of in that area with the Sparks, or do you feel like you're too far away potentially to kind of get get too much of that? Uh, I mean, I wouldn't say I'm too far away from it. In fact, there's uh, a Sparks fan that I live with right here who's on the other side of this wall. Oh my gosh! Apartment with my partner is, um, you know, as fate would have it, you know, I'll spare you the details, but uh, my partner is a Lakers fan and a Sparks fan, and. Got it. Um, that is probably the worst thing I could have ever thought of as <laughs> the biggest Laker hater and the biggest Sparks hater um, ever growing up. And so, of course, yes, I, you know, my partner would be that. And so, yeah, I mean, I, I've definitely seen, you know, a little bit of, you know, my journey into L.A. to go walk around. You know, I, I've seen some, you know, Candace Parker jerseys, which is great. I'm happy to see that. I'm more totally, happy to yeah. see Sparks stuff than, than nothing at all. Um, but, you know, when I'm repping my Crystal Jr. Fuel shirt out there, you know, that's <laughs> something that you know, I'm proud of and, and I really try and show off. But. But yeah, so so a little bit, a little bit for sure. But we definitely need more. You know, the the amount of attention that these women deserve, these amazing athletes deserve, is a lot more than what we're seeing. I'm sure it's. You know, I, I don't know about you. What about you in Minnesota? I mean, I'm assuming I would guess at first you'd see more link stuff, just given how many championships and you know success that they've had. But at the same time, you know, I have the same reservations about like, oh well, you know, are people giving this team, you know, these athletes the respect they deserve? Yeah, I mean, it's not as obviously as much as, you know, the the other sort of, you know, prominent franchises, you know, here in the Twin Cities. So but I, I definitely, you know, I, I see a lot, you know, in, in in the before times at Target Center and stuff, you know, like at Wolves games or whatever, you see like a lot of the Lynx gear um, or maybe just like if you're ever at like a high school game or if you're around any sort of like basketball situation in the Twin Cities, I feel like you'll see some Lynx stuff here or there or like I'll play pickup hoops and someone, another person's wearing a Lynx, you know, warm up shirt or something like that. So stuff like that, I feel like you can see it. But obviously it's still kind of, you know, the league in general is still growing and still really young. And so. You know, it just doesn't have the the critical mass of some of the other leagues, but we're growing. And I think, yeah, especially in Minnesota, it's a point of pride. And I think, you know, a lot of people are kind of coming around to it. And it's like, oh, yeah, this really is the best franchise. And, you know, we need to stop discrediting it because they're women or whatever, because they haven't been around for that long. So, yeah, I think things are in a good place uh, league wide moving forward every year. It just keeps getting, you know, bigger and better and, and everything. So, you know, that's the other exciting part about the league is it's I feel like in the NBA, it's like. It, they're so big already that it's just like, all right, it's another season. We're excited about this year, but it's not like you know anything crazy or new is going to happen. Whereas in the W, it's just so exciting because there's so every year there's just so much so much new great talent and new rivalries and just exciting basketball. And now you know, especially with the new commissioner and the new CBA, they're doing so many new things. Uh, they have this Commissioner's Cup coming up this year. That's going to be really different. Speaking of like European football, it's kind of like that kind of idea, um, you know. And there's just you know they're messing with the there's different stuff with the yeah like the the way they do the playoffs and you know having the lottery kind of be uh, the last two years of your record. So it's just exciting how much they're like trying new things and yeah, you know, like you said, the off the court activism of all the players and everything. So. League is obviously in a good place. It's just like, you know, we, people like us who are fans, we just like want to see it move ahead faster than it is. But it is upward growth, just maybe a little bit slower than uh, everybody, everybody involved wants it to be. But, hey, that's why we're here. That's why we're talking links. You know, we're, we're going out of our way to do this. And uh, uh, eventually it'll be as big as some of these other sports go. So let's dig into talking about this season. And um, I unfortunately uh, kind of been out of the loop um, as far as training camp uh, media availability goes. Uh, I'm kind of just following along with press releases and watching some of the Zooms after the fact. But um, you 
you've been more present, I believe, at a lot of the, the training camps and Zoom availabilities for Cheryl Reeve and stuff like that. So I don't know. What are some of your early season takeaways from what you've heard from uh, from Reeve or some, from some of the players? And I guess just kind of how things are, are shaping up for the very early part of this season. I mean, we're tipping off here, you know, recording this on Wednesday and we're tipping off on Friday. So right around the corner here. But what have you heard? What's sort of like some of the vibes or some of the, uh, you know, keywords or something like that that uh, everybody's talking about? there uh here in the in the training camp zooms yeah no uh and i have been you know in those uh zoom pressers as much and i think it helps um in a way that you know we're in that virtual setting right and so i can from all the way here in california be able to be a part of you know these zoom pressers and so i'm very grateful for that opportunity but um you know that said i think the most common theme i've heard so far you know amongst both coaching staff and players is just excitement now, I know that's a little bit cliche. Everyone's always excited at the beginning of the, the season of any season of professional sports, but there's there's a different sense of excitement just because one, like they're not in, in you know the bubble anymore. They're not in the bubble again this time. And so there's that excitement to be back, you know, in stadiums, you know, in their home, you know, home court advantages and, and all that. So there's a lot of excitement between players and coaches to have that. Now, of course, there's a lot of bit of uh, there, there there's still a bit of, you know, I cautious caution I, I think you could say in terms of you know COVID protocols health and safety protocols you know all that type of stuff but overall a lot of excitement especially within the links you know as, as some of you you know listeners probably already know or have, you know been following the team you know we've had a, a really exciting off season you know from the addition from Ariel Powers uh, Caleb McBride obviously Natalie Achanwa uh, Renaya Davis you know th- those are really exciting additions to the team and I think, you know, Coach Reeve has always been, you know, praising, and I covered this in my preview that, you know, you'll see posted on Candace Hoopas here in a couple of days, but, you know, Coach Reeve has always been mentioning the importance of positional flexibility, you know, in the modern game now. I think this is one of the first years that the roster really fits that philosophy moving forward. And so I think there's like a quiet optimism for how the season's going to go. Yeah, again, I think Coach Reeve is like, you know, she she knows, she knows she's been here before, she knows how it goes, and she's trying to tame, you know, expectations that, hey, it's going to take time, you know, it's going to take time, it's not going to be like, oh, well, on paper, you know, she mentioned this on paper, it seems like, oh, we're a favorite, we should be a favorite to win the championship, yet, you know, we have so many new players, you know, that are major additions to the roster that are going to get a lot of playing time who are here, that's going to naturally take some time for them to fit in, and, you know, we'll talk about this a little bit more, obviously, as well, but, you know, with um, you know, the Fisa Collier, Kayla McBride, who just arrived stateside, they're going to be late. They're going to miss at least a couple of games to start the season. So, again, you know, there's, you know, trials and tribulations like any team is facing. But, you know, especially here, I mean, that's two starters that we're already down heading into the season. So, you know, temporary expectations, but general overall excitement for sure is the theme. Yeah, that's interesting. The tampering of expectations. Yeah, it's, uh, you know, Reeve on her podcast is, you know, they were talking about, uh, you know, some of the power rankings and some of the, you know, some people maybe mm-hmm. overlooking them and that kind of thing. But, yeah, I think that's uh, that's interesting that they're trying to maybe pump the brakes a little bit there because, yeah, I think there's and it, there's a lot of teams who have to deal with this as far as the overseas commitments and the international play of – and it's always the best players too, right? Like right. You know, the, the you know, 10th and 11th uh, people on, on a roster aren't necessarily going overseas to, you know, play these days. So it's really just a lot of the best players in the league are, are going to be, you know, late joining their teams. And it's not – you know, I think some teams are less affected than others, but there's, there's you know, there's other teams. Teams, you know, Natasha Howard and, um, you know, certain other players around the league, you know, they're coming in late, too, because they're finishing up their their uh, tournaments or whatever in their in their respective uh, countries. So it's kind of a thing that everybody has to deal with. But it is kind of, yeah, it's tough when it's, you know, literally like your second best player, first 
or second best player in Nafisa. Um, but uh, yeah, as you mentioned, it's good to get uh, McBride back in the house and hopefully she'll be ready. I guess I don't understand the uh, the sort of like uh, protocols of how long they have to like be quarantined and stuff like that. Like I wonder, you know, again, it's Wednesday as we record this. I wonder if McBride will be able to play on Friday. Um, you know, on one hand, it's like, oh, yeah, they're they are already playing high level professional games. They're physically sort of ready to go from a sort of uh, strength and conditioning kind of way. But uh, I don't know too much about how long they have to like quarantine or wait when they get back in town and how much that depends on what country they're coming from. Like, right, I have no right. idea sort of how to uh, gauge how many games uh, each of these players will miss. And, you know, I know I think Reeves, you know, said, especially for Nafisa, who's still in France uh, as we record this here on Wednesday, that's probably going to be the longer one. But I just wonder maybe how long, um, you know, uh, you know, McBride will miss. Have you heard anything about that as, as far as how many exact games they're, they're, they're expecting each of these players to miss uh so you know cheryl's been you know asked that a bit and i think she's always kind of again i think she's erring on the the cautious side you know she doesn't ever stuff like oh she's just you know kayla's just gonna miss one game and she'll be there but you know i I think you know the general expectation is about you know once they return from overseas we're looking at maybe about like a seven day you know quarantine you know to to make sure that you know they're all set to go and like you said you know there are a lot of variables in terms of you know where they were you know maybe were they vaccinated overseas or not you know different things like that um you know i mean if you look at the schedule i mean we have you know between you know today's the 12th may 12th on a wednesday and then between that day and next thursday you know the 20th there's three games so you know if we're looking at seven days, that's minimum two games, maybe three games. I think there's also the addition to, you know, yeah, they might be ready game shape, but, you know, have they acclimated themselves to the team? Because this is the first time, you know, Kayla's playing with anyone, you know, or pretty much anyone other than, you know, her college teammate and and Natalie, you know, on the team here in Minnesota. And so, you know, it's going to take a minute to, you know, learn the philosophies and the play calls and, you know, positional, you know, everything like that, you know, it's going to take a minute for her to get used to. So I think I would, I would guess three games, like, you know, this week, this the season opener, and perhaps maybe two games next week um, on the safe side. But that's my guess, my best guess. Yeah. And then it's interesting because then after their first three games, then they have a week or eight days right. between games, right? That's really strange, especially coming off, uh, you know, coming off the bubble of last year. And then this NBA season that we had where, you know, every team's playing essentially every other day for <laughs> five months, you know, back to back to back. So um, it's interesting to kind of look at a sports schedule and see sort of like a normal break or a normal like time in between yeah. some of these games. So that'll be nice for a, you know, recovery portion. But yeah, I guess it's safe to say, yeah, this first set of three games, uh, Mercury, Liberty and Storm here in the first week of action, you know, it would probably be that, uh, you know, that nine player team or whatever they're going to have to roll with ten, eight player team or whatever. We'll get in the roster maybe a little bit, but uh, be shorthanded for the first few games. But then, yeah, ha- hopefully after that, they can uh, get rolling at full strength. And then, yeah. Uh, you know, just having the players is not enough. You gotta, you know, you gotta integrate them and have them get used to their new teammates. And and uh, there sure are a lot of different um, different uh, faces and names here on this team. I mean, we can jump over to yeah, the types of things that we think will be different this season. I mean, obviously, last year was was something was something uh, very unique uh, playing down in Bradenton for the entire year. Uh, shortened season, I believe 22 games. This year we're getting 32. Um, and then, yeah, just lots of absences around the league, players sitting out for health reasons or for other reasons. Um, you know, so it was, it was a very strange year last year. So I think that makes 
I think this is a very difficult uh, season in the W to really predict league wide mm-hmm. uh, because you're not really sure. A, there was so much like player movement in the off season, which is great. We've never, never really seen anything like that. But then other than that, too, it's like how much weight do you put in to the 2020 season in the bubble? Like, is that really representative of sort of where these teams are going to be kind of um, evolving from for this year? And and for some teams, maybe it's closer to yes. But I think for most teams, it's like, no, that was a totally different thing. We got all these different players and, you know, we have X and Y who are hurt or whatever. So that will be very interesting, too. But, um, yeah, I guess what, what do we expect this year? I guess uh, not necessarily just, uh, you know, how good or bad will they be? But I don't know. What, what, how do you expect the team to play? Uh, who do you expect to kind of uh, lead the way for the team? You can kind of take it in any way um, you want. We can kind of back, bounce back and forth, I guess. But I don't know. What, when, you, when you just think in general how, what to expect from the Minnesota Lynx in, in uh, 2021, like what comes to mind? I think there's going to be a lot more uh, dynamic on offense. That, that's for mm-hmm. sure. You know, I think there, we've had a big increase in like the amount of shooters that we have. Um, you know, I think first off, you look at, you know, who we had last year that we no longer have. I mean, <clears throat> you look at two guards, we have Lexi Brown, you know, who was, you know, a good shooter on her career. But I mean, she really struggled last year. I mean, she she shot 26.9 percent on like just over three attempts a game. And then, you know, we obviously have Odyssey Sims, who's no longer on the team as well, too. And she shot, you know, actually above her career average last year, at 33.3 percent, uh, but under two attempts a game. And so if you take those two guards out and you just let's just say replace them with two of the additions that we have, you know, with Ariel Powers and Kayla McBride. Ariel Powers last year, even though she played, you know, under 10 games because of her hamstring injury, she shot 34.6% from three on over four attempts a game. And then McBride, I mean, we all know, you know, how great of a shooter she is, but, you know, just using last year's numbers, I mean, she shot 34.2% from three on over three attempts a game. So both of them shot more at a, and at a higher clip accuracy wise um, than the two losses that we had. So I think, you know, with that already, you know, our, our increase in shooting and the shooting on the court is going to be huge. So I think offense is going to be a lot more, um, I guess you could say it'll be pretty fun to watch. I mean, you, you pair that with Damaris Dantas, obviously, you know, kind of breaking out as one, you know, not one, I like to say she is the best shooting big in the game right now. Um, like a pure shooter from out there, um, you know, volume wise and accuracy wise. So you pair that, um, the visa, obviously, you know, she's capable from out there, but also the fact that, you know, coach, Reeve has mentioned a lot about Rachel Vanham and Bridget Carlson taking on a bigger role this year, both, you know, as a backup one and even at the two for Bridget. Uh, and they're both, they were both two of our best shooters last year, you know, on accuracy wise. And so, you know, now they're getting more minutes as well too. And so I think that'll really open up the floor for, you know, health provided for, you know, Sylvia Fowles to be able to, you know, dominate the paint, you know, that, that, you know, we have come to know, you know, we've come to expect from her. So, I think the, the the offense would be a lot of fun, and I know that's a big difference. I'm expecting to see. What about you? Yeah, totally, and that's so interesting because. I was just looking at some of the you know stats from the last few years, and you know last year the Lynx were the third best offense in in the league, and uh, last year was the first time since 2014 that their offensive rating was actually better than their you know defensive rating. They were uh, I think they were the fourth best, uh, sorry they were the fifth best defensive team last year and the third best offensive team. And usually the defense is like way up at the top. You know, Reeve expects nothing less than that, right? Defense and rebounding is what is going to happen. And it's just interesting. I mean, I guess that's the, you know, when fouls only play six, seven games or whatever, that's what you're going to get. But it's just interesting to, like, think of that from the link side of things. Of like, yeah, they were third last year, and we expect them to be better this year around with the shooting around fouls. So 
uh, yeah, I don't think that's unreasonable, but it's just interesting coming from where they already are. You know, most years they're, you know, one or two in defense and then like league average in offense and stuff like that. So a very different kind of thing. And But the thing is, and why I think, you know, it's right to be high on this team just in general is I think they're going to improve on defense as well. I mean, um, you know, the, you know, the big names they brought in, all, all three of their free agents, McBride, Powers, and Achanwa, I, you know, McBride's a shooter, uh, but she's also a very wonderful uh, defensive player player um Achanwa as well you know I think kind of known more for her defense than her offense you know kind of known as a defensive player with you know some passing chops and that kind of thing and then Powers I guess I, I guess I, I don't I know the least about her but I feel like she's kind of uh you know jack of all trades a little bit right she's kind of you know at least average at everything you know maybe not like super good on one end or the other but she's not like bad on one end either too so um but like you said too a lot of versatility to to be able to switch these positions and stuff so I think it will be um I don't know I guess what I'm looking forward to this season is yeah we got these shooters we have this versatility and I'm really looking forward to see you know what last year's coach of the year Cheryl Reeve is able to kind of do with this team um I think she's done so well in the last few seasons of um you know you know kind of raising the floor of a team that maybe on paper shouldn't have been that good potentially especially when you you know uh, fold in the the fouls injury from last year so I think it will be interesting now to kind of be like all right we got a really deep team with a whole bunch of versatility and switchability and um it just seems like you know at fully at at full strength um Reeves is going to have so many you know options and so many tweaks and ways to go with this so yeah I'm really excited about that is that we might see a very different kind of Lynx team here although hey we're still again like I said we're still dealing with Cheryl Reeve defense and rebounding is what gets it done so I'm expecting a lot of the same on that end of the floor but you're right to say there's gonna be more shooting and and they 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 keep continuing to average more threes per game as these years go on you know there was even in their like last championship in 2017 they were kind of down there in threes that didn't really hadn't come to the league overall but you know they're right there now playing modern basketball getting up those threes and I expect that to raise again this year so I don't know other expectations for this year um you know I just uh, I guess I, I expect this team to just continually be this deep team who knows how to get things done I think they're they're very well suited for a very strange um you know it's not gonna be as strange as last year in the bubble but an Olympic year is a different kind of year in the WNBA as far as they take a month-long break right in the middle I believe it's like mid mid uh, July to sort of mid-August this year they're going to be off and stuff and so yeah there's going to be kind of like three different chunks to this season kind of how I see it this first little small area where not all the teams are at full strength and everybody's just trying to get their legs underneath them Um, and then you're going to have the middle section where everyone's kind of rolling and feeling good and then you're going to take a break and then you come back and have this quick month-long sprint to the finish. So um, I feel like a, a key to any team this year is can you play consistently well through all three of those sections? And the team that kind of is the teams that are able to hang in there for the most of that and not have a you know a huge swoon where they go two and ten or something like that over a, a stretch or two and eight or something like that. You know, will be able to kind of hang in there and, and and make noise in the playoffs. So I expect that from this team. Again, as long as they can stay healthy. They they have so much depth, so even if that few people go down, or hey, they're waiting for Collier and and uh, uh, McBride and stuff to come back, they'll be okay with that because they have all these other players here. So I think the depth is is another big um, thing to look at for this year. Absolutely, I mean, I think 
you know, you hit it right in the head. I mean, with, you know, Cheryl Reeve at the helm, you can expect there to be some type of consistency, you know, across the entire year. I think that 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 has to have been something she considered, or GM Cheryl Reeve has had to have considered during the uh, free agency period uh, when she brought in vets. I mean, she brought in three season vets that have, you know, been in the league for a handful of years, some of them, you know, more than a handful of years. And, and to help still, you know, with that, you know, locker room, you know, guiding the team, you know, keeping their eyes on the goal um, and everything throughout this longer year. I mean, I don't think it's an accident, you know, that we brought in, you know, vets who are, you know, not only just, you know, have experience, but they're in their primes. A lot of these vets are. And so or there's entering their prime still right now. And so, you know, they'll be able to contribute both, you know, on and off the court. And I think that's going to go a long way for this season. You know, when you, you try not to compare it to last year, just because of how weird last year, like you said, it was, but it's hard to look at last year and you see, you know, who's on that team and you look at who's on the team this year and not expect us to do even better this year. Now, you know, last year we finished as a top four team, you know, losing the semifinals, you know, the playoffs. And so, you know, to expect that, I mean, that's a big ask, obviously, you know, other teams got better as well too. So I think, you know, the real question is, isn't necessarily, you know, how good are the links going to be this year compared to last year, but how, how much better is the competition going to be this year compared to last year? And I think that's something that I definitely think about, you know, heading into this year. And so, um, you know, as I was writing my preview, you know, obviously as someone that, you know, I'm newer to covering the links, you know, from a, a reporting standpoint, you know, coverage standpoint is that, you know, man, like these women athletes really, really, and this is cliche, but it's true that like they don't get enough credit for what they're going through. I mean, they're going, imagine an NBA season running through the Olympic cycle where they're taking a break. I can only imagine what LeBron <laughs> would have to say uh, to the Olympic committee if he had to, you know, play in the Olympics in the middle of a season. You know, he probably asked, you know, whoever came up with that guy would be fired, right? <laughs> you know? it's, it's pretty crazy yeah, to really? think about. Yeah, yeah, they're pulling triple duty. You know, they're literally going right from, a you know, their, their playoffs overseas to the start, you know, the season, right into the Olympics and then right back. And then once they're done here, they're going back overseas, you know, and that that's I think that's one of the, that's a big thing that I've realized this year, just kind of covering the team. Like, man, like these women really don't get any breaks, you know, at all. And yet they still continue to perform at such a high level. And so, yeah, yeah it's, it's, you know, it's, I don't know how you feel about that. Yeah, no, it's it's super impressive. And you, and you don't really think about it as much. I think most people don't think about it as much as they should, because, yeah, even in that LeBron situation, he's getting paid, you know, 30 million to right. you know play for the Lakers or whatever. So then you think about like the compensation that these women are getting to do all this, too. And it pales in comparison to other people who have to do similar things. So that must be, you know, I just can't imagine, you know, being in that situation and having to for, push my way through that, even though, you know, you're not getting paid as much as, as you should. And, you know, people aren't paying attention and there's all this stuff and you have to work so hard. But again, that just goes that just goes back to why, you know, why it's worth it to, to pay attention to the W and cover it or get your friends into it or whatever, because that's I feel like that's how you can, like, pay it back in a way or whatever. It's like, oh, yeah, like well, what we can do here is, you know, give you, uh, you know, give you more of our attention and try and draw more interest to what you're doing. So, you know, it doesn't you know, it doesn't seem, you know, I guess just so more people can see what these amazing women are doing. So, yeah, you're definitely right to point that out because uh, it's uh, it's pretty wild out here and but but hey, that's what they do. They just blaze the trail for the next class of people. That's what they always say. You talk to some of these vets and they're just like, yep. You know, I remember when, uh, you know, I think like, you know, Whalen would 
you know, talk about, uh, you know, the players that came before her coming into the league and they inspired her to, like, make the sacrifices and do the things she, you know, she did. And then, you know, now Nafisa sees that and then now she's playing hard and doing all this stuff to push her forward for the next group and stuff. So you just keep doing that for, you know, over you know a long time, you know, decades seem like a long time and it is. But, hey, it goes by quickly. And then all of a sudden you're the NBA and you're 80 years in or whatever and things are great. So, um, you know, it's, it's that's the other thing is I think, you know, when we're old and gray, we'll look back at this and be like, hopefully it'll be like, oh, wow, this was so cool. Remember when these players were hardly getting paid and were hardly on TV and they were doing all this stuff. But now look at the league, you know, so I hope that's where we get. And uh, yeah, so I, I think the players have an eye, eye on that, too, because, again, they just saw it come before them. So I think that's why it all works. Yeah. And I think, you know, on the macro levels, you know, while we're on the subject, you know, big picture wise, you know, expectations for this year. I mean, I think there's more eyes of the WNBA this year than there ever have been. You know, that's yeah. been the trend. Right. And we want to continue that trend, you know, whether it's it's Draymond making, you know, well-intentioned but ignorant comments you know, <laughs> on WNBA. You know, that's bringing more attention. You know, there's yeah. more eyes on it. You think about the amount of people who are, you know, stuck without any basketball during COVID season last year. You know, on the brink of it, you know, WNBA was the first big, you know, we're going to do a bubble. We're going to do this seriously and we're going to do it. And I think, you know, a lot of people start following, you know, if not for the first time, the WNBA, like, okay, well, let me see what this is about because I don't have anything else to watch. Right. If not even by choice, you know, but, you know, that was their, you know, their default. And so I think this year is even more exciting. I mean, we have, you know, exciting new players, you know, whether it's, you know, Sabrina Inescu, like coming back this year or whether it's, you know, Ari McDonald and, you know, her rookie season after, you know, what she did in the NCAA playoff tournament. Um, in, in the in the tournament last year, you know, I think there's a lot of great athletes that you know people are getting more invested in. I think um, moving forward, and and I'm excited about that. And I really love your you know, optimistic approach about it. That you know, we can look back at this in the future and be like, oh wow, you know, do you remember when? You know, because I think yeah. for me sometimes, you know, I'm watching this, I'm like, man, like I really wish, you know, now that I'm in the thick of it, that there was more already now. You know, a little bit impatient, but you know, I, you know, but that that's because we're fans, you know, and we're passionate about it. Yeah, totally. Um, all right, next thing to talk about here um, while looking at this roster, you know, I think uh, you kind of mentioned it a little bit earlier about, you know, kind of thinking about last year in the in the bubble and, um, you know, the the great performances. You know, I feel like a, a lot of the reason why the Lynx were, over, were able to overachieve, uh, you know, especially once fouls went down, was the play of some of their young players. You know, Dangerfield obviously is the, the league's first second-round pick who's a, you know, rookie of the year and, um, you know, Nafisa, Collier taking another step forward and then even um, Bridget Carlton who um, you know was kind of a more unheralded um, you know young player or whatever but um, you know those three players really kind of took huge steps forward or I guess different (laughs) different size steps forward depending on the player and they really helped push things forward and so I think for this year it's it's a question that I have is sort of how will the young players grow from here because you know, um, you know, it's not necessarily always true that, you know, if you have a good season that your next year is going to be a step forward. Uh, maybe it's a lateral move. Maybe it's a step back even before you you know take a step forward in, in year three or something like that. So um, I'm just kind of wondering, uh, you know, sort of how you think some of these young players might grow, whether it be Collier or especially Dangerfield is, I think, the one. I think Collier has kind of proven herself. You know, it's a year three for her. Um, you know, she's getting already some potential MVP buzz in there. You know, she's proven she's she's a great 
great two-way player and someone who's really up and coming. But Dangerfield is sort of the out of nowhere rookie of the year last year and the year she had is so, you know, it's not just that she was drafted late too. It's kind of like her size and a lot of other things that people kind of counted her out, but she proved that, you know, that was a fool's errand. And then Carlton to a little bit less, you know, she's going to be, you know, her usage will be down for sure this year with the additions of McBride and Powers. She'll be coming off the bench. You know, I'm, I'm less worried about her because she's kind of just plug and play and you know she's going to be kind of doing the right things. But what do we think about Dangerfield and, and Collier this year as kind of the young players um, that the Lynx, you know, need to they need to have them continue to take step forward here as, uh, if they're going to get to some of the highest heights that they hope to, you know, be at for this year. Yeah, Neil, and, and let me tell you this. I am the official hype train captain for Crystal Dangerfield, right? <laughs> you said you got the shirt, so there you go. That's right. That's right. You take a number and you line up behind me. Uh, <laughs> and so I think, you know, Coach Reeve, I'm glad you asked me about this, um, has talked a, a lot about this during training camp so far. And she's kind of like hammered this home, uh, this point home is that um, she has expected and has so far seen um, Crystal Dangerfield taking more of a leadership standpoint um, on the team. You know, obviously she's only going to her second year. She's young, uh, but she really expects Crystal to, you know, be that louder voice, both, you know, on and off the court. Uh, and yeah, I, I fully expect her stats, you know, to maybe dip a little bit this year. I mean, again, like we said, you know, we have all these great new additions and, you know, offensively talented players on the team. And so I, I can expect that to go down, but I definitely expect her to take a bigger leadership role. Um, and, and Crystal even shared this herself during training camp too, is that, you know, her first year, she's still filling it out. You know, obviously it was a weird environment that they were in, but by the near the end of the season, you know, she started to kind of find her voice and learn, you know, kind of how to, how to say, it, it doesn't necessarily have to be the loudest person in the room, but you know, even just by leading by example or taking players aside and talking to them. And so, you know, Cheryl Reeve is really kind of singing the praises of of Crystal Dangerfield this year so far in training camp. And so I definitely expect her to see her grow, you know, and maybe in a more like, you know, subjective or, you know, qualitative uh, view more than an actual, you know, production view. And so I, I definitely see that from her. And um, I think she's also mentioned too with Carlton, like, yes, you know, she, she will be playing probably less minutes, uh, but she's talked a lot about like, you know, Bridget, you know, playing at the two. And I know at first, you know, some people kind of raise an eyebrow to that, like, wait, Carlton had the two, you know, wasn't she more of like a three kind of situation, but um, she's talked a lot about it. I think, you know, coaches made, you know, a point to kind of say that as well too, that Carlton has come into camp, you know, in shape, ready to go, willing to do whatever it takes. And she's been thriving in that role at the two, you know, as like a backup two. Um, and so yeah, I expect her, like you said, you know, she's plug and play. She's ready to go. But I definitely see her being able to, you know, maintain that momentum that she had last year uh, moving into this year. And I think a, a player that, you know, we didn't unfortunately didn't get to see last year, but is also still technically only going to be going into her second year is um, Jess Shepard. Uh, Jess Shepard has been, you know, a key player so far, you know, in, in training camp and, Cheryl's talked a lot about it, about how great Jess has looked, even with, in that second preseason game, um, the more kind of, you know, dress rehearsal game, you know, Jess Shepard nearly double-doubled, you know, in the first half. And, you know, her passing ability is something that I think, you know, will be really useful this year. And so I think, you know, even her as a, as a younger player and her going into her second year, you know, after a redshirt year, I think is going to be something I'm really excited to see. That's for sure. Yeah, I didn't even think. Yeah, I totally kind of forgot about Shepard. I mean, I know I have her down, you know, definitely on the roster. But, yeah, in the list of young players, she skipped my mind a little bit there. So, yeah, it'll be interesting to see, you know, where she can uh, fit in there. I just kind of wonder for her how she kind of sees the floor when uh, this team is, you know, fully, uh, you know, at full strength here with, uh, you know, kind of, you know, she's, she's, I guess she's best as maybe a four. Maybe, maybe they'll play at the three or something like that. But, um, you know, with uh, with fouls and, and, 
and Dantas and and uh, you know Achanwa kind of ahead of her in the bigs mm-hmm. in the bigs lineup. Uh, I guess you know she's the fourth big kind of after that. So um, you know, I guess I can get them all in there. But uh, hey, you can't play everybody, and some players are there for you know potential injuries or whatever. So, but hey, that just makes it better too for you know the battles. It's not like someone's going to cakewalk into these minutes. It's like, nah, right. you got someone there. You got someone there who's uh, who's trying to play. So uh, it'll be a nice you know training camp battle or practice battle here. If you know uh, you know one of those players isn't living, living up to their uh, deal or whatever, then Shepard is uh, yeah. is you know just ready for you. But yeah, then also on Dangerfield, I just think um, yeah, or sorry on uh, on Carlton. You know, I think she's the perfect player for this sort of these first three games, like we're saying with McBride and uh, you know Collier kind of missing some of those games. You know, Carlton she can play two, three, or four really. She did all those things for the Lynx last year, so it's just such a nice kind of uh, you know Swiss Army knife of a player that you can have in there to you know whoever's out you know you can kind of plug her in there and she's going to get it done and just be solid and be able to guard uh, guard twos, threes, or fours and you know knock down shots and cut and do all the things you you know you want. So it's uh, she, you know she was great last year stepping up, but then again this year even in a smaller role, I think she's going to be asked to you know hold it down for the team, especially here in these uh, you know first weeks with some of the team gone. So yeah, that'll be interesting. I'm just kind of looking forward to seeing yeah, like you said uh, the the fan club that you're in there with Dangerfield. How does she move forward this year? Can she just continue on with uh, what she's doing? And I and I want to see her shoot more threes this year. I mean, I think she's you know she's right up there with the other best three point shooters on the team. Whether that's uh, Bantam or um, you know Dantas or whatever, I, you know I think she's got to let it fly because I guess McBride's right up there too. There's so many shooters on this team, so maybe she maybe some of those shots will go elsewhere. But I am really high on her ability to uh, fill it up from outside. She got crazy range, and I just want to see her uh, continue to shoot the ball. So uh, yeah, really excited about these young players because I don't know. I feel like a lot of the other players they're kind of like mid career slash like vet, you know older players. So I feel like they're going to at least be solid. Like if they're healthy. You kind of know what you're going to get from McBride, from Powers, from Dantas, uh, you know, from uh, even Fouls and stuff as an older player and stuff. So I feel like the links sort of, uh, you know, how high or low they go will kind of be based on, you know, sort of the, the growth or lack thereof of their young players. So that's definitely something to watch. Um, you know, beyond that, I guess the next thing I want to know is sort of what questions do we need answered about this team right now? What are we looking at and saying like, man, I'd have a better idea of how good or bad this team is going to be if I only knew X. Like, what is that for you? What What are the things that you're kind of wondering about, but you just don't have enough information or it's not possible to know quite yet? Yeah, and I think the first thing that comes to mind, and perhaps you know the most important thing that comes to mind for me as far as questions is, <clears throat> how are how are the new additions going to respond to Coach Reeve? Um, you know, by all accounts, I mean it's easy. You know, in the press conference and after you know you're you're acquired and you're you know playing for this team, you know, with the you know dynasty history, you know, to say all the, the right things. You know, we're excited to play with, for Coach Reeve and and everything like that. But we know that how how hardcore Coach Reeve can really be, right? You know, she's not <laughs> you know powwow, you know Bahama <laughs> trip, you know situation, right? And so uh, I'm very curious to see you know, how these you know these new additions, you know, Powers McBride or Chamba respond to her. And you know, so far in training camp, yeah, everything is great, you know, because there's no conflict and there's no um 
you know, there's no resistance yet. You know, they haven't, you know, met any, you know, type of challenge. Yet. And when they do hit that, when they do inevitably hit that challenge, how are they respond? You know, are they going to, you know, band together? And so I think that's something that I am most curiously going to be watching, you know, kind of wondering as we go out the years, like, you know, how, how are they gelling? You know, is she wearing on them or are they responding to her? Uh, so for me, that's, I think that's my main question that I would have for this season. Yeah. What about you? What's the question that you have? Yeah, totally. And just to comment on that. Yeah, too. I think it's really interesting this year that they have so many different, you know, players on this team. It's not really, you know, this is the biggest free agency, I think, in Lynx history. They're not used to having all these new players who are going to get, you know, meaningful rotation minutes. Usually they add a rookie or um, maybe a, a fringe rotation player here or there, but they added potentially two starters and a, and a backup. So it's, that's the other interesting part is like, it's not just, uh, you know, they're not people who are going to be low usage. You got some, you got some people who you need to contribute who have never played for the Lynx before. So to your point, I think that's super interesting too. They've a lot of these players have never been coached by Reeve before. So getting you know getting gelled early is going to be big for me. The main question is about Sylvia Fowles. Um, you know she's getting up there. I think she's thirty five, I believe. And uh, you know we got you know we got Sue Bird who's like forty. We got you know DT Diana Tarasi who's thirty eight or thirty nine something like that. So you know you can play and, and be a little bit older in this league. But you know we saw that we finally saw you know Fowles who had been such a such an iron woman for the longest time you know um you know f- finally kind of hit that wall last year and, and kind of have the oh, i think it was hamstring or, or calf i think it was calf um tightness or whatever and then you know you know kind of pulling the calf that, that was a problem for her she you know was, wasn't really able to get back um in any meaningful way and so I don't know. I, again, the link showed that they can, you know, they can weather that storm and they could still be a four seed and get in there and make some noise in the playoffs without fouls. But, you know, you'd be hard pressed to say that this team can reach the heights they want to without their very best player. And I think a lot of people are sleeping on fouls because of that. You know, she only played a few games last year, so people are kind of overlooking her maybe. But when she's out there, I think she is, you know, one of the three most impactful, you know, two-way players in the league. Um, she's just fantastic on both ends of the floor and, and just demands a double team and can stop everybody at the rim. So if she's healthy, then this team can go as high as any team in the league, I believe. But I'm kind of a little bit worried about it. Not not that you know, not that I think she's done, or that I think you know she's going to have to be worried about these injuries for the rest of her career. But again, this is the first time we saw that, so I think you need to sort of be a little more wary than in normal seasons. You can't be, you can't just say, "Oh, that was last year, and now we're going to get normal fouls." It's like they, you know, Reeves all has still said all the things about you know keeping an eye on her minutes and you know making sure they don't you know stress her out too much. And again, that will be the nice thing about this kind of more normalish schedule this year, whether or not the bubble was just crazy as far as how many games they're playing so it will be nice to have those you know four days off five days off stretches in this season uh for some of the older players in the league but to me that's the number one question because if Al's is there for you know 30 25 to 30 games of at least of the of the 32 then you're going to be sitting pretty because she just automatically gets you there but if she's out then I feel like this team could maybe be a little bit more disappointing than people are thinking about right now what do you think of that? 100%. You know, it's funny you mentioned that too. I mean, when, you know, I was preparing some notes, you know, for today, uh, that was one of the things that I I wrote. One of my predictions is that, you know, still is going to remind the league, you know, that she was a Nevin P, you know, not that long ago, just a handful of years ago. 
Um, you know, I think she she absolutely, I think, is the key to unlocking the potential for the team. You know, as far as like a, a, a ceiling for the team, you know, obviously I, I see them topping out, you know, as a finals contender, you know, someone that, you know, a team that can make the finals and not only make it, but potentially win, you know. And But I think at, at minimum, the bottom out, you know, as, as a floor, as a tough first round playoff opponent, you know, I think they're, you know, again, anything can happen. But, you know, based on you know, what we're seeing and you know, who we have on the team, you know, I see them, I, I, mean, I don't see them not making the playoffs. And I think, you know, still will de- you know, determine, you know, where they land on that spectrum uh, specifically. And, and you mentioned earlier about, you know, we have, you know, Dantas and Shepard and Collier and Chanwa. And, you know, that seems like a, a lot of depth in a position that maybe we didn't always have a lot of depth in. Uh, but I think there's a reason why. You know, I think that was Coach Ree's vision, you know, when she went out and got a Chanwa, you know, knowing that uh, you know, Shepard was probably going to be back this year as well, too, is that they want to lighten that load. You know, I had a chance to ask Sill during training camp, you know, about her health, you know, what she expects going into this year. And she spe- specifically mentioned that, you know, she just has to dial it back a little bit more in, in practices. And, you know, um, and, and Coach Reeve understands that has to hold her out. And it's hard for her because naturally she's someone that, you know, she says she wants to go hard, you know, all the time, but she's learning that she has to adjust her body. And that's something that maybe she didn't necessarily you know, do last year. And so I think, you know, as disappointing as last year was for her, I think it was really important, you know, it was kind of one of those uh, mistakes that, you know, she had to learn, you know, by, you know, trial by fire where now she knows like, Hey, I need to, you know, wind it back a little bit because I want to be here for the long haul. You know, I got to be able to manage my reps. And so, you know, I think that's another reason why, uh, you know, I wrote about this in my preview that, you know, still played, I think, less than 10 minutes in the first preseason game and didn't play during the dress rehearsal against Washington um, last Sunday or last Saturday. And I think that was for a good reason. I mean, unfortunately that we saw, for example, in Las Vegas, like Angel McCautry, I mean, she's in her, you know, upper thirties, right? And, and she went down, you know, with this unfortunate, you know, ACL tear during that. And it was, you know, maybe she shouldn't have been playing that game. You know, hopefully she could recover quickly and, you know, come back to play. But, you know, I think Sill and Reed, uh, Coach Reeve, you know, they understand that, that, you know, this has to be, it's not a sprint, it's a marathon, you know, it's not like what it was in the bubble, like you said. Yeah, no, that's uh, that's really good intel and, and, and information of stuff. I didn't I didn't see that quote or whatever from Sill from from recently about that. So that's really interesting that she's kind of you know already kind of you know under, understands kind of maybe what happened last year and the changes she needs to make. Because yeah, like you said, they're competitors. They want to be out there. They want to be doing what they do better than anybody in the world. But as you get older, you need to make that transition into being a little bit just going about your business a little bit differently and being able to think about your body first uh, rather than that practice or that game or whatever. Again, having sort of the marathon versus the sprint uh, kind of mentality there. So that makes a lot of sense. And that's good that, you know, still smart, you know, she gets it. So I think, um, you know, especially as a big too, you know, some of those other older players we talked about are guards. It's a lot easier to be a guard and have longevity in your career. When you're big, you're getting beat up, your body betrays you, your legs go a little bit earlier. So she's definitely got to, got to watch it. And, you know, she's, you know, you know, again, I, I love Sil. And I think she's one of the best players in league history, but she might only have a few like, you know, uh, first team all WNBA type of seasons remaining, you know, one or two more of those years, maybe. And then she might be she might be out the door. So I don't know. I feel like we're, you know, she's still again. I think she can still win MVP. I still think she can win defensive player of the year. But, you know, you got to be careful here that you still want to squeeze as much as you can out of Sill while she's still kind of in the tail end of her prime here. So it's really important. But, you know, I'm not I'm not really worried about it. I guess I'm just kind of questioning exactly how it's all going to work out and how it's all going to look.
look because, you know, again, Reeve knows it, uh, Reeve gets it, and uh, when the player and the coach are on the same page, that goes a long way. And like you mentioned, Achanwa's addition is going to be huge. I mean, if Sill has to miss a game here or there, or they have, you know, two games in three nights, maybe Sill will, will sit one out. You can start Achanwa. She started for Indiana a whole bunch of games last year, and, you know, she's she's a very high-quality you know, maybe not high quality, but she's uh, she can start for you. She is a starting quality, um, you know, player in this league, so you can feel safe with that. And then, yeah, you have Shepard and and Dantas kind of back there as well. So I think that they, uh, yeah, GM Reeve did a good job, kind of uh, you know, sort of uh, you know, seeing that ahead of time, and and hopefully still doesn't go down for any meaning amount of time. But hey, there's probably gonna be games here and there this year where she's just out. You know, she's just out with rest or whatever they want to call it, and and that's gonna have to be okay because again, you want this team to be able to make a deep playoff run and and play into September and beyond so uh we're hoping uh hoping uh for that for the team and you mentioned the ceiling and the floor kind of as well right I mean it's kind of you know I think a championship is is the ceiling I think there's like six teams in this league uh this year who can who can win the title right there's a lot of teams according who really to ESPN think of, yeah we're, we're the sixth right according to ESPN okay yeah we're <laughs> the sixth there so yeah they did their power rankings so yeah, I mean, I think it gets murky. I mean, for me, I'm going to actually write a WNBA um, overall uh, uh, league kind of season preview, kind of with some power rankings in there. But, you know, to me, I'd probably put uh, Vegas and, uh, you know, maybe Washington above the links. But then after that, I feel like there's this other kind of section of like four other teams who are like, they're right in there too, you know, and there, there's, you would not be surprised if any combination of Minnesota, Phoenix, Chicago, and uh, who else did I leave out? Uh, Seattle uh, could potentially, uh, you know, win the title here. So that's really exciting because, uh, I mean, even though the WBA does have more parity in it, I feel like last year was kind of top heavy with the, you know, with the with the Aces and the and the and the Storm, and then in years before that, it was kind of all about the links and the and the Sparks and stuff like that. So it's cool to have like half the league who can potentially say that hey we expect to win the title this year and the Lynx are one of those teams and then yeah the the floor like you said I cannot imagine this team missing the playoffs they'd have to have multiple injuries to keep players even if fouls went down they could still make the playoffs they're so deep they're so well coached I just can't imagine so eighth seed I guess is their floor is that kind of what you're thinking as well championship is the ceiling and eighth seed is the floor yeah, 100%, 100% with you on that. You know, if, yeah. again, you know, weirder things have happened. You know, we are, we are, um, you know, the Minnesota basketball franchise. And I hate to say that because the Lynx have bucked that, you know, <laughs> the, the rules, you know, expectations. And so, you know, again, for me, as someone who's newer covering the Lynx, you know, I'm, I'm still there to, to experience it. And so, um, but yeah, absolutely. I agree with you. Yeah. I think we absolutely can be championship uh, contenders. And I think we are. And um, I think it's, I asked um, Cheryl about this during training camp just a couple of days ago as well about, you know, what are her goals for the team this year? And she had said, you know, her goal um, is just to get everyone on the right page and to, you know, be able to grow this team and establish, you know, who they are and their identity moving forward. You know, she intentionally didn't say that, you know, a championship is, you know, the goal for this year. I mean, it's not championship or bust. I mean, obviously we know that, you know, as, so long as you have Cheryl or not, uh, Sylvia Fowles on the team, you know, you you will be eligible to make your way, you know, as a championship contender. But she has specifically left that out saying that, you know, she wants to build something long term, a foundation. This isn't an all in, you know, 2004 Los Angeles Lakers picking up Carl Malone and Gary Payton, you know, type of season. <laughs> right. This is, you know, they want to build with players that they know that they can be here for. Uh, and as she specifically mentioned, like in 2011, you know, growing that team there, uh, you know, and being able to do something that where this is a lasting foundation that'll last for multiple years. And so, you know, if it takes multiple years, so be it. She said that, you know, 
We're not necessarily on you know, specifically a three-year plan, but you can call it that if you want. And she said that, you know, I, you know, I don't think we're exactly who we're going to be after this year. You know, I don't know that, you know, we're a favorite yet, but the identity is going to be born just like the 2011 team's identity was born through the trenches. You know, that was, you know, exactly. Yeah, what. totally. And like you said, the three-year thing kind of works because they signed, you know, all these new these new free agents. They're all signed to three-year deals, I believe. So it kind of, kind of makes sense right there. And, you know, maybe, again, that matches up with the end of, you know, Sill's final three years here potentially. You know, she, I think, will be a free agent uh after this year, so we'll see about that. But yeah, that's uh, that sounds about right. Okay, let's wrap up with this strengths and weaknesses for this team. I think we touched on a lot of this already, kind of with what we expect this team to be like. But uh, I don't know. What do you have? I mean, again, this team we feel like is going to be, you know, one of the best four, three teams in the league here. So, you know, some of these weaknesses might be relatively speaking. But uh, I don't know. What do you have for that? What are you thinking this team will excel at? And then where do you think they might struggle? I think for strengths this year is versatility. Uh, I think they have players, you know, at every position that's not going to be like, oh, well, you know, if this player goes down, then we're screwed. If that player goes down, we're screwed at that position. We have that positional versatility, flexibility that we, you know, haven't had in years past. So I think that is probably the strength that pops into mind uh, first. And then as far as weaknesses, yeah, you know, I got to just say, you know, experience is a weakness. I mean, yes, we do have certain vets that are, you know, on the team now, you know, obviously still, um, you know, Achamwa has been around for a while. McBride's had a nice cup of coffee in the WNBA so far. But, you know, this is going to be the first year that this specific iteration, you know, of the Lynx are going to be playing together. You know, the majority of those, or, you know, potentially two of those starters are going to be new players on the team. Their first time playing for the Lynx, you know, Donnie and Minnesota jersey. And so I think experience, you know, playing together will probably be a weakness. But again, you know, there's no way around it. You can't, you know, add players and then expect there to be immediate um, you know, chemistry between them, and it'll take some time. So, so those are mine. What about yours, Neil? Yeah, no, that that uh, largely mirrors kind of what I was thinking. I mean, you got to think this is. I don't know if it's the deepest team in the league, but uh, they're right up there. So they, you know, they go, you know, they go eight, nine, ten deep. They're all the way down there, and uh, that'll be nice, especially early in this season when they're missing McBride, they're missing, uh, they're missing Collier, and then uh, you know, Renia Davis is already already down uh, with an injury. So they're going to be shorthanded to start, but that strength hopefully can uh, that strength of uh, depth can hopefully pull them through. Um, and then yeah, I mean, they're going to be solid on offense and defense. So just kind of generally on the floor, they should be okay. Kind of you know scheme wise on both ends so you kind of like that as a strength too just kind of overall competence on both ends of the floor and then yeah I, I definitely agree with the weakness of just sort of relying on young players maybe a little bit uh, more than you like and then yeah I would I guess I would call it more like continuity right it's about these new players kind of coming in and getting on the same page um, that's something you kind of wonder about but the other weakness I would add to there is maybe like point guard play and again, I hate to say this to the to the captain of the Dangerfield uh, fan club or whatever, and I think she has a bright future, but I, all I'm saying is I'm not certain about it. And I, I'm not saying she's going to be bad this year, but I just wonder if she might not be as good as last year, potentially, and we're kind of a little bit disappointed. Um, again, hopefully she's at least still a good shooter and other things, but I just kind of wonder if maybe you know her second year around the league, like teams are going to figure her out and really take advantage of her size a little bit and stuff like that. And then even, even more than that, it's more just like, who do they have as their backup? I mean, we're talking about Rachel Bannum, I guess, as the backup point guard, and maybe they have a 
couple other players who can bring the ball up. Powers and McBride maybe could bring the ball up and get things going. But Bantam, I think, is, you know, while she's a nice player, she's not a starter. She's not – I don't even think she's really a point guard. I think she's more of a shooting guard than, than a one. So, you know, you kind of have this awkward situation that if Dangerfield goes down with injury or, you know, just needs – you know, needs her backup more than you might think, um, you know, I feel like that could be a, a, a weakness as well. And, again, we're, 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 uh, we're picking nits here because I think this will be one of the best teams in the league. So it's not like this is going to sink them or anything like that. But if we're searching deep for weaknesses here, I'm just a little, I'm not just certain. I'm not just going to, because she was the rookie of the year last year, I'm not just going to go ahead and pencil in Dangerfield as, you know, one of the five best point guards in the league or something like that. Like she needs to continue to take her steps forward. And I believe she will, but it's not like a certainty to me. So I'm, I'm kind of worried about the, the point guard and sort of guard rotation a little bit as far as it is getting into their offense. Because as we've seen in previous years, not last year where they were third in offensive efficiency, but in past years, the Lynx half-court offense can be problematic when you're still relying on the back-to-the-basket play of fouls. You know, you get a lot of double teams, a lot of just mucking it up and stuff. So I don't know. Without a sterling point guard to get things going and setting things up, it could be troublesome. So yeah, I guess if I have to reach for something, maybe <laughs> maybe that's what I go for. But don't worry, I'm still very high on Crystal Dangerfield. She's she got she got a uh, you know a very bright future in this league. So I hope the fan club is okay with that. Neil, I was about to walk out of this podcast. Oh my gosh! How dare you? How dare you? <sighs> slander? No, no I, mean, I get you. I get what you're coming from, and you know I think you know that, that that's a good point. You know I think you know Crystal Dangerfield. You know for all the great things that you know she is, um, she is young. You know she she's. Um, yeah, I don't want to say inexperienced, but, you know, she's, you know, only had one year, you know, a, a bridged year at that in the WNBA. So, you know, can she handle a full year's grind? Right. And so um, I think that's a great question. And yeah, you know, Bantam is traditionally more of a shooting guard, you know, in trying to tailor her game more as a, a backup point. But, you know, I think, you know, Cheryl Reeve has mentioned this as well, too, is that, you know, like you mentioned, too, there are a number of players that can bring the ball up or, or run offense, you know, like you said, McBride, uh, Powers. I, I know she even mentioned, like, you know, that was something she loved about Renaya Davis as a prospect was that, you know, she's able to handle the ball, you know, a bit as well, too. And so, um, you know, again, that's not, you know, plan plan B per se that, you know, we're going to be going with behind, you know, Crystal Dangerfield. But but yeah, no, I get what you're coming from. You know, we'll allow you to get away with it this time. But, you know. No more slander allowed for the next two months. So, All right. That's it. I've got it out of my system. I won't say another peep about that because it's going to be okay. Crystal's going to be great again, and uh, she's going to prove that she has staying power in this league. It wasn't just a weird bubble season. She she belongs here in the WNBA. Uh, fantastic. Leo, we did it. We previewed this season in the WNBA for the Lynx. We had a good time, and um, it's just cool to talk to you and to kind of really meet you for the first time, like over here over Zoom on a podcast. That's how we do it these days, and uh, I'm excited to cover the links aside you um, this year, and uh, our friend Brian, who we'll have on the show here as well. Three of us are going to be tag teaming, and hey, that's a great thing too. Again, we're trying to get more people into cover, not just being fans of the league, but covering the league too, right? right so right, right. I think it's a great thing, so we're excited to see what you have uh, this this year for the links and um, you know, on, on a sort of uh, all season kind of basis. So let people know where they can follow you on uh, Twitter or beyond and uh, let people know sort of, yeah, what, what you're, what they can expect from you this season when we're covering the links together. Love it. Uh, thanks, Neil. Now, first, first and foremost, thank you for having me here today. I'm hoping to do more of these with you, you know, as this season goes along. And, you know, I know um, Kenneth Hoopis, is primarily known as a Timberwolves blog, but our mm. goal is to turn it into a Lynx blog with Timberwolves on the side, right? That's right. So, uh, 
<laughs> but with that said, yeah, you can find me on uh, Twitter. It's uh, Y0LEO, so like Yo Leo, but a zero instead of a O. Um, so you can find me. I'll be posting clips, um, quotes, you know, all that type of good stuff. Uh, anything links and Tim Rules related, you know, I'll be covering on there. For this season, yeah, I'm also looking forward to having this triumvirate between Neil and Brian and myself. I think we're going to bring a lot of exciting, youthful energy in here, as youthful as guys in their 30s can be. <laughs> but uh, <laughs> yeah, yeah, we're super excited for that. Um, you know, I'll, obviously we'll be doing our, our recaps, you know, we'll be talking about news around the league. And, you know, I think there's a couple additional projects I'm working on that, you know, I don't, don't want to spoil yet, but, All you know, right. some things cooking. I got some things in the oven baking right now, so... I love it, and I love how you, yeah, I love how you bring the video clips to the action. You did that a little bit last year in the bubble, and then you do it with Wolf stuff as well. I love that you're grabbing the video clips to kind of like show actions or show what happened on a uh, given like play or whatever. So yes, please, uh, you know, all all you Lynx fans out here uh, listening to the show, uh, you probably already follow him, but you gotta follow Leo Y Zero L E O. We'll link to that in the show notes as well. And uh, yeah, look for his uh, uh, 2021 Lynx season preview up on Canis Hoopus here. Um, that's probably going up Thursday or Friday. And then, uh, yeah, I'll have the WNBA season preview, and we'll keep doing these shows, Low Slings Talk Show, all year. And then hopefully some of my other show, the Lynx, uh, Lynx Dynasty shows, which are a little bit more uh, kind of uh, narrative journalism type uh, things. I'm going to try and get back to that last uh, uh, after taking last year off of those types of shows. So lots of Lynx content coming uh, between Leo and I happening all year um, here this summer. So we're very excited for it. But, yeah, Leo, thank you for joining um, the show, the Los Links Talk Show, and uh, looking forward to uh, what you come up with uh, this year covering the team. Got you. Support women's hoops, everyone out there listening.